All right, everybody. Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast. This is John Ramstead with my awesome co-host, Sandra Crawford-Williamson. Hey, Sandra. Hello. You know, Sandra, uh, you know, in our work, in our life, you know, I mean, there's been so many different inflection points and in times that you and I have talked about, kind of these competing forces of trying to succeed, you know, professionally, right, monetarily, Especially, you know, younger in our careers, we're, we're trying to do well. But we also, you know, then we get married and have kids and want to create a balance. And then we want to put all this together to actually do, to me, you know, do meaningful work and full, feel, feel fulfilled. Uh, it's easy for me to say too many F's. But um, I mean, all these things are kind of, you know, constantly coming at us right in this whirlwind of, of life, isn't it? Absolutely. We're all trying to keep all these balls in the air, so to speak, and make everybody happy all the time, you know, be something, be everything to everybody, right, is what I, what I talk about when I'm working with clients, like you cannot be everything to everybody, you have to know when to say yes, know when to say no, and know who you are and what your gifts are, and ironically, that is the title of their book, Remember Who You Are, Achieve Success, Create Balance, Experience Fulfillment. And Paula Brown Stafford, Lisa T. Grimes, they are these high-powered women who were in uh, the same industry and were competitors for decades, literally for 30 years, didn't want to meet, were sort of um, you know, fierce competitors. And you know, you just have to take a listen to the podcast and hear how they were brought together and then some of the amazing work they're doing now. And they're going all over speaking to gigantic corporations about this very topic, men and women. Uh, you know, and their message is you have to stay true to who you are and and who God created you to be and, you know, stop trying to be something you're not. And that that's where fulfillment and balance and success really come. Yeah, let me tell you, you know, because we talk about this a lot, and hopefully this resonates with you guys listening. You know, the whole leadership industry uh, and a lot of ministry focuses on kind of the why, the what, and the how. And I think it all starts with who. So when when a friend of ours said, you have to talk to Lisa and Paula, because this book is all about the who. Remember who you are. Um, And here's kind of the cool thing. Uh, Just a little background, everybody. Lisa... Uh, oh my goodness, 32 years uh, in business, CEO of a large pharmaceutical company uh, called Pure Thread based out of North Carolina. It was, um, and, but I got to tell you, her, like in the beginning, imagine getting out of college, her first 23 jobs she applied for, she was rejected. So just think about kind of the mindset and the perseverance behind, you know, just even, you know, getting started and how competitive Lisa is. That's why she didn't want to meet Paula. Why would I want to meet with a competitor? It turned out when they actually met was one of the most enriching things that ever happened to her. And Paula has 30 years also in that biopharmaceutical field doing consulting, chief research officer, uh, you know, head of clinical trials. So, I mean, she's had just a CEO of a company. So... Here's two women like you, Sandra, and you add so much, uh, I think, great color to this interview uh, of people that started at the you know very beginning of the career, went all the way to the top, and all the stuff you have to do, deal with in the ups and downs and how to develop and do that successfully. So I'm really excited to share this, this interview with everybody. Well, good morning. We're so glad to have you guys. Welcome to the Eternal Leadership Podcast, Lisa and Paula. Thanks for having us. We're excited to be here. 
Great to be here with you, uh, Sandra and John. Thank you. Thanks so much for having us. This is Lisa, and we look forward to our discussion. Hi, and this is Paula. Wonderful. Well, you guys are out on the road promoting this wonderful book. How's it going? I think it's going well. We are staying quite busy and have uh, good sales and a number of author events at bookstores and elsewhere and visiting corporations and sharing our, our book and our story. Thanks and, for asking. Yeah, we're getting great feedback. So we think it's a message that resonates of women working together and complimenting other women. And it really speaks for all professionals, but just working together. Absolutely. Well, the book, as we talked about, is Remember Who You Are, Achieve Success, Create Balance, Experience Fulfillment. And, you know, these ladies are just some powerhouse women with amazing careers. You know, I love the story that you went to college on the same university. You were in different colleges on the university, but you, you were there at the same time, but you didn't know each other. You launched these two amazing careers, and um, you know you're in complementary fields, and all of a sudden you're these big competitors, right? Right. Your names are sort of you know weave in and out of each other's lives for years, um, and finally someone sort of plays matchmaker and sets you up on a blind date. Tell us about that real quickly. Well, this gentleman that we both had known for several years continued to say, Lisa, you need to meet Paula. And I said, uh, no, thanks. Already met her. And he, <laughs> said to, and he said to me, you have got to meet Lisa. You are the same person. You really would like each other. And for many years, we said, that's OK. Yeah. I, don't, I don't think so. I know her. I don't really like her. And I don't think I'm going to like her. So um, long story <laughs> short. Fortunately, we're both blessed that he was persistent and persuaded both of us to say yes. And I kind of wonder who said yes first. But anyway, we'll figure that out later. <laughs> but um, he had us both agree to lunch, and then he didn't show up. But he said, you two are the same person, just as Paula said, and you will finish each other's sentences. And about 10 minutes into the luncheon, we were doing exactly that. And as you can tell, we're still doing it today. And that's been about 16 years since that lunch. And isn't it, uh, you know, just such an example of, I mean, at least in my life and my career with women, you know, um, right now it seems to be so much uh, more encouraging uh, with millennial women encouraging one another. But you know, I just turned 50, so I came up in an era where there weren't a lot of women, especially the further along you got into senior leadership. And so there was sort of this feeling of, you know, if there was if there was one woman and another woman came along, it was like, wait a minute, I, I'm the woman, this is my space, and they weren't really that encouraging to me, I have to be honest. A lot of my mentors early on, especially, were men and, you know, had a had a great relationship with, with everyone I worked with. But, you know, what I love now is talking about that time and raising awareness with other women. And that's really what your book is doing, isn't it? Yes. Um, you know, we met each other, as I said, 16 years ago and felt that 
I, what our, our husbands over many dinners together, they started to say, oh, we're tired of hearing these stories because through our uh, dinners and lunches, we ended up sort of co-mentoring each other because we didn't have those mentors outside of men, of men um, uh, like yourself. And as we started to sort of co-mentor each other and they said, you just need to share these stories. We're tired of hearing them. You need to write them down, and share them with others. And that was kind of the impetus of the book is having that discussion about not having enough women to talk to. Um, and the higher you went in the organization, you know, obviously fewer and fewer because we're a little bit older than you are, Sandra. Um, so, you know, we... <laughs> Well, well, you guys have, uh, I love this line, you know, two award-winning C-suite executives who together have accumulated 60 plus years of work experience at the highest levels, 60 years of marriage and raised four successful children. You've managed more than 25,000 employees globally. And Paula, you retired as president clinical development at Quintiles IMS. And Lisa was president and CEO of Pure Thread Technologies. I mean, you guys have been the top of the top in your field, you know, the muckety mucks. But yet, just like I did when I was running a, a global company, you felt very alone. Um, you know, you're trying to juggle and do it all. And but but yet you sort of have this moment where it's like, all right, I got to go home and tell my husband everything because it's, it's a bit that old silly saying it's lonely at the top, but I think it's even more lonely for women at the top. Do you agree? I think it is lonely at the top. I would say it's hard for me to know since I am a woman, but I think that one of the reasons that it's particularly lonely for women at the top is what you alluded to earlier is women haven't always done a great job of pulling along as many women with and beside them as they could. So I think that, you know, when you're there to find a peer that you can connect with that like Paula and I did several years ago makes it a lot less lonely. Right. Yeah, Lisa, you know, your first gut reaction when you were introduced to Paula was, no, she's a competitor, so I don't want to, you know, invest in creating a relationship. And sometimes, uh, and I see this quite a bit, right? There's this sense of uh, competition or maybe even comparing ourselves to other others. So how do we kind of, what advice do you give to people to kind of switch and actually develop some of those peer relationships, mentor relationships that can really enhance their their life, their business, just kind of everything, you know, as we go through the workplace. Yeah, I think it starts with really the premise of the book, remember who you are. And a lot of that is understanding your own brand, understanding who you are, because, you know, we talk a lot about self-awareness and it really does come down to before you can partner and compliment others, you got to start with knowing who you are and then trying to understand what and who complements with that. Um, putting two together, you create usually overlaps or you create gaps. And it's understanding where there are overlaps and where there are gaps and how to deal with those. And I, I think it just starts with knowing who you are. Which I think helps build a sense of self-confidence that a lot of people, particularly women, struggle with. 
And if you know who you are, then you can have a little more courage to live out your convictions. If you know what your brand is and you stick to it, then you can have the confidence to hopefully reach a new level of comfort, which means really being vulnerable with another person, because that's where the real connections start. Because, you know, if we were to sit here and share stories, we're all, you know, there'll be different dates, there'll be different names, there'll be maybe even different scenarios, but the underlying themes will be very similar. Do you think that level of self-confidence, self-awareness is different uh, in professional men versus women? Well, I think to generalize, we generally you know, say that women um, lack self-confidence. Um, I think that, you know, for me specifically, I did lack self-confidence. Um, and and it, it, um, sh- it sh- would show itself in terms of a behavior that I wasn't proud of. I would be defensive, usually with my peers, not with my higher ups and not with the people who reported to me, but usually with my peers. And it was a bit of that competition and whatnot. But because I didn't have enough self-confidence, it came out in me being defensive in certain situations. And so I, once I became aware of that, And I think I knew about it earlier, but when I went through some 360 degree feedback and I received that feedback, I said, you know, I I really got to do something about this. And then I began to discipline myself. And, you know, when you can accomplish things, you build your confidence in yourself. And so you have to set short term goals, medium term goals, long term goals. And then as you achieve those goals, you develop confidence in yourself. So I had short-term goals just to not be defensive in, in meetings. And that built some confidence. But then just setting goals both per- personally and professionally helped me to gain that confidence. And I think, and it's one of the things we do talk about a bit and remember who you are, because, you know, a lot of studies have shown that women tend to lack confidence simply because we want to be perfect. And mm. It is something that lots of studies have been done that we did not do the studies, but we've certainly lived through it. We've seen it. We've mentored. We've coached and we've read lots of the research on it. So I think that it probably is a bigger issue. You can even look at it with the studies that have shown a man will apply for a job if he has six of 10 characteristics. A woman will think I'm not qualified and won't apply because she wants to check all 10. So there's been work done on that. And so I do think that all ties into self-confidence. Absolutely. That's a great study. That's a great way to sort of quantify uh, the difference in confidence that women have. Uh, You know, some of the most powerful women that I've coached, when you you know, gain their trust and things get really vulnerable and you're working on things, it it almost always comes out that they're working so hard and trying to do it all and juggling and, you know, just running themselves completely ragged and trying to be everything to everybody. And it comes down to because they're insecure, lack a little bit of confidence. And so they're so afraid to let somebody down or to say no. And so, you know, that's what I love about this book is, you know, you, you talk a little bit about, um, you know, let's try to find a little bit of 
balance and fulfillment by going, okay, this is who I am. This is what I stand for. And you know what? I'm, I'm great at this. Um, you know, it's, it's just a great reminder that success is not measured by dollars and job title and what floor your office is on, but, you know, complete fulfillment and fulfillment outside of work as well as inside of the office and, you know, awards and all of that fun stuff. So, you know, one of my favorite parts of the book is the letters, right? So you've got nine super successful female executives and they have at the end of some of the chapters, personal letters that they've written to their younger selves. Um, Tell me about that. How did that come about? Well, we decided that even though we think we had a lot of insight and we had a lot of stories, we didn't think that we knew it all. And we felt as we were writing the book that to complement our voices, we wanted to hear voices of others. And so we toyed around with a lot of different ideas. And then we decided that we would just put at the end of each chapter. So the book has nine chapters. And at the end of each chapter, we have a letter. We didn't give any direction. They were edited very slightly from our editor because we wanted them to be real, to be true to what each woman had said. Um, we didn't give them chapters to, to go with, but then we kind of matched them up as best we could with, uh, you know, their main points going with uh, each individual chapter. It kind of just worked out. Um, but I would say that the women, a number of them thanked us after writing the letters for giving them the opportunity to sit and reflect and to share and to be vulnerable um, to their own employees, but even to their own families. Yeah, and I think a lot of time as busy executives, blocking that time for reflection can be tough, but it makes all the difference in your day. No kidding. I mean, we're on this sort of uh, hamster wheel of get up and go, go, go. We have so many things to do before I fall into bed at night. And um, by having to stop, and reflect back to write the letter. I'm sure that was really great. Imagine if we could all do that every single day. Yeah, so we've been doing it at a lot of corporations where we speak is after we talk about the book, whoever has sponsored us, we've asked them to write a letter to their younger self. And, you know, it helps them reflect, take the time, and then be a bit vulnerable to their um, colleagues and staff. And, uh, you know, we're and enjoying that process and others are enjoying it as well. Right. And then we have them read the letter at the end of our talk. Right. Right. Sorry. Didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. So how cool they read the letter. You know what? People could go do that right now. They could buy your book for everybody in their team or their office or their small group. And they could, they could do that same process. Right. Right. Um, how amazing would that be? Have everybody read the book and then, they all write letters to their younger selves and then they all read it. What a great team building sort of trust building process that they could go through uh, by using your book that way. Love, love that. You know, to do that uh, really requires a lot of vulnerability. Sandra and I are, are huge fans of extreme vulnerability and I know a lot of people struggle with that. You know, what advice do you guys give to, you know, you know, women out there in business that are, at the top of the ladder, climbing the ladder on, on uh, 
how vulnerable to be. I, I hear that a lot. Like, you know, John, how vulnerable should I be with my team, you know, with people at work, with people I'm getting to know? What are, what are your guys' thoughts on that? Well, I think you have to start being vulnerable with someone that you trust. And I think that Paula and I, you know, the more experienced you get, hopefully the more you hone your gut reaction and your instincts. And we treaded slightly lightly, but very quickly were, you know, going knee deep in the water. And then it was like, okay, I can trust you with little. I can trust you with more. I can trust you with lots. And I think that is the basis for vulnerability that is true vulnerability is you've got to have a safe person to be vulnerable with. I think if also you're the only one being vulnerable in a relationship is probably not that meaningful of a connection. It is rather a different kind of relationship than kind of a mutually beneficial connection. Um, I would say those couple of things, because we, I mean, there are things that Paula knows about me that I wouldn't necessarily tell somebody else, but it's more because we have a deep, we have a friendship, we have a business together, we've written a book together. And I think part of it is also just having the discernment to not, as I used to tell one of my children, TMI, you know, too much information doesn't help anybody. There's some things you keep to yourself, but I think that Paula and I made a decision early on. We have no secrets. It's all out there. We even let each other see each other's personality profiles. So that's kind of being out there. But I think on the other hand, if we uh, think vulnerability means tell all, I think that um, one place women, and, and we do touch on this in the book, uh, in terms of, you know, when we leave a meeting at 4.30, a little bit early, a woman has a tendency to say, um, I, my child, you know, daycare charges me an extra $10 if I don't get there by five. So I need to leave at 4.30 and I'm sorry, I'm going to miss this. And, you know, they give too much information. And so I don't think that we need to mix up being vulnerable with telling all. With TMI, yeah. Because I think that that's what Lisa is saying and something that we touch on is that we're not saying be untruthful, but sometimes women tend to tell all and all just doesn't need to be told in certain situations. So I think that, you know, vulnerability is getting to know an authentic person, you know, who they authentically are, but it's not necessarily having to know every aspect of their life. That's a good point. And I think the other aspect, John, to get back to the question in terms of managing and leading people, I think that, you know, if you're really working as a strong, authentic leader, you're hopefully developing leaders on your team and sharing the facts and truly letting them help make decisions is a level of transparency that, you know, I fully expect and you deal with the good, the bad and the ugly. But I think that, you know, you have to to be open and set the stage, set the tone for people communicating transparently in an organization. So I think that's slightly different than being vulnerable, but is related to it as well. Yeah. Well, here's kind of an example on that real quick. One of my clients is a woman running a large organization and 
in our uh, when we were coaching together, she just felt the weight of all these decisions that she had to make every day, and it was really causing her just tremendous amount of just stress and and almost almost at the level of burnout. And I said, "Have you ever shared that with your team? Just how how everything is structured and how it's affecting you?" And she goes, "No, I've never thought of doing that. She didn't think that was appropriate. So as we talked about it, she actually decided to be a little vulnerable and actually share this with her team." And her team totally rallied, came around her. They had an amazing meeting and talked about how to restructure things so everything didn't end up on her desk. And over the last six months, as they've uh, continued to work in this area, it has transformed not only uh, her joy and fulfillment in in the job, but also um, how she's been able to empower and equip her team. So sometimes stepping into that area of, of vulnerability is a little bit of risk because, you know, uh, letting people know, hey, I'm, you know, I, I'm not perfect. I don't have all the answers all the time. Because guess what? I think everybody around us, they know that we're human. And so uh, I appreciate you guys sharing that. You know, one of my favorite things about the book, um, and John, I know you feel this way, that this book is for everybody. Yes, there are two female executives. Yes, there are two female authors. But this book is absolutely for men and women. I mean, anyone who's ever had a job ever or ever had a family or is trying to juggle, you know, multitask, this book is this book is for you. One of my favorite parts that really resonates with everyone, men and women, are when you talk about uh, the types of balls and that you have to be really careful and, you know, that we're all juggling. Right. And, and and so do you could you just give us that? Because I think that would be a great way to wrap up our interview, because um, it's just perfectly applies to every single human being. Sure. Well, we um, really believe that we all are faced with decisions every day of how many things to juggle and what do we juggle And if you don't mind, I just thought I would read um, just a couple of sentences from the book. Would that be okay? Sure. That's great. All right. Well, many working women, especially mothers, would agree that their lives often resemble a three-ring circus. At any given time, we could be flanked by a high-flying trapeze act in one ring and daredevil stunts in another. But in the third ring stands mom, mom the juggler three, four, maybe six or more balls being tossed in the air. Some soar high, others stay close. And it didn't happen overnight, of course. We might have started by learning to juggle a career and a spouse, or maybe we went back to school or took on a large volunteer project. Over time, perhaps we added many children, then all of their activities. There's our fate, our home, our friends, our sanity. Is there room for an exercise ball, a healthy meals ball? There seems to be no end to the things we're trying to juggle and the balls we're trying to keep in the air. The effort that's required to keep them all moving is relentless and exhausting. You may feel that if even one ball drops, you will be thrown off balance and the whole act will come crashing down. No, that's not right. And I won't finish reading the section so we can talk a minute or two about the balls because our belief and the way we believe we live our lives to find balance and fulfillment while we have been in executive positions is keeping our priorities in order. And 
we have crystal, like Waterford crystal hearts that really symbolize it's the, the prized possession of balls that we juggle. And for us, our crystal ball is our family and our faith. So we have that crystal ball underlies all of our decisions. It's something that if we drop, not only is it going to shatter into a million pieces, but it was our most valuable possession. So we don't want it to drop. And then below that is a glass ball. Which is very close to the crystal um, for us at different periods of our life, but it is really the career. And that crystal and and a glass ball are pretty close to each other, but we both we have to keep both in the air. That's exactly right, because again, if you drop a glass ball, it is going to shatter too. It just isn't, you haven't lost as much because it's a glass ball and not a crystal ball. And then we have the rubber balls where we think that we have to do everything or, you know, make homemade cupcakes for a first grader's birthday or graduation when a sheet cake from Kroger will do. Yeah. And for me, the rubber ball was always the laundry because I'd throw it down <laughs> thinking it wouldn't come back, but it did. But you, find out, you, know, you find out how to deal with the laundry. For me, I outsourced my laundry because I just, that was a priority. I didn't actually like doing laundry. I didn't have time for laundry. So I had to figure out, you know, what to do with it. But for me, it was a rubber ball. <laughs> right. Because it just, as you said, Paula always bounces back. So there are things that sometimes we spend so much time on that really aren't our priorities when we stop and think about it. And then we have the lead balls. Um, we usually think of these as rocks. They are balls that we need to drop from our juggling routine and we need to let them stay on the ground. We don't need to pick them back up. And anywhere from perfectionism to saying yes all the time to spending time feeling guilty over something that we didn't even do someone else is trying to put guilt on us um comparison there are a lot of lead balls if we start figuring out how we spend our moments in our day that if we drop we have a bit more time to do the things that are our crystal balls love it Love it. Yes. So, you know, when I am coaching and speaking, um, one of my most popular topics people ask for again and again is ditch the mommy guilt and take the store-bought cupcakes. And it's exactly what you're talking about. You know, in this Pinterest world, you know, especially hardwired executives, men or women, we're trying to be everything to everybody. And so, you know, to review, your crystal things are the super fragile ones that you can never drop. And so know what those are. And that's what you say in the book, you know, know who you are, know what your crystal things are and stay true to them. Um, your glass balls, they're important. Um, you don't want to break them, but they, they are still, they still come second. Rubber balls always <laughs> bounce back. So you know what? If there's five days of laundry piled up in my laundry room right now, it's going to be okay. It'll, and it's going to still it'll be, be right. here. And it'll still be there. And you know what? I'll go buy more socks at Walmart for their school uniform and it'll be okay. Uh, you know, it'll it'll work itself out. Plastic balls aren't going to break. So you know what? I can call that best friend and say, I just can't do it. I can't do this today. And there's not going to be any repercussions or, or things happen. And then the lead balls, I love, you know, the way you talk about that it's false guilt. 
you know, and women are so good at guilt. Um, and, you know, we feel like we're letting somebody down at any one time. And so if we could just drop those lead balls to the ground and completely abandon them, I just love that. I think you guys um, are really speaking to the heart of a lot of people there, yeah. men and yeah. women. I, I didn't cook. And I, I can say I have a 19-year-old and a 22-year-old, and I never baked a cake the entire time for any birthday. And you know what? I just didn't feel guilty about it because I knew for me that wasn't a priority. I wasn't good at it. They were just as happy because they never knew anything otherwise. (laughs) 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 Yeah, so I I had the the bought cake and, you know, but I, I didn't sit there beating myself up and feeling guilty. I just had to let it go because I knew that wasn't me. I wasn't a person who was going to make this beautiful Pinterest cake. So I think people need to let go of areas where maybe it's not your forte and just move on and not, not hold all that guilt. It just weighs you down. And that's why we call it the lead ball. Cause it just weighs you down unnecessarily. And I think your kindergarten story would be useful to hear. Yeah. You know, it's just my, my son was graduating from four year old kindergarten and we live in Chapel Hill, and so everything was Carolina blue. He had the little, um, you know, graduation cap and, cap and gown and all this cute stuff, and they walked over this little bridge. Well, I wasn't there. I was off in Asia at a meeting and didn't, you know, make it back. Um, and instead of coming in the door saying, oh, I'm so sorry, I'm so sorry, and me feeling guilty and putting guilt on my child, I came in and said, let's watch the video. I want to see that graduation. And so we sat there and we watched it. And I don't think he even knows that I wasn't there because we just relived the moment. And I didn't put guilt on me. And therefore, I didn't put guilt on my son either. And I think uh, that's just a, a tip I would give to others. That is so good. I love that. I'm going to use that today. There you go. Good. <laughs> that is wonderful. I love that. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's all about projection. You know, I, I tell people, kids aren't going to remember what kind of cake they had. They're just going to remember the feeling you gave them. You know, feelings is what we carry through our life, not like, oh, well, the cake was orange and it was beautifully decorated. So, you know, you made him feel great and that you were included and excited and celebrating with him, Um, you know, and and that's what mattered. How cool is that? Well, exactly. They celebrated twice. (laughs) And there you go. He got two parties, right? (laughs) John. How, how did the balls, I mean, do they resonate with you as, as a, as a male? Um, oh, you know, completely. I mean, not? oh yeah. yeah, there's so many people that are struggling with burnout. And I think the source of burnout is this topic right here that, uh, a, you need to really be in touch with, you know, self-awareness, who you are, your strengths, your passions, your gifts. And then you need to be saying, and then you actually need to put some thought into, you know, understanding those priorities and what you're going to say yes to, because when you say yes, you are saying no to something else. And when you're saying no, you're actually saying yes to giving yourself an opportunity for something that actually is fulfilling. And and uh, I think, uh, Lisa, you said, right, sometimes we have to step back to actually create that self-awareness because it's such a powerful, it's, it's been a really powerful tool for me uh, in actually creating a framework of saying yes and no. Uh, uh, when I, you know, years ago, I was on about seven different boards, uh, 
and it was crazy and I just didn't have any home life because I was a I'm kind of wired to be a people pleaser and and so is my wife right it's hard for me sometimes to say no but when I did this then I had that clarity to say hey you know hey Paula I'm not going to be able to do that or be part of that project or that board and here's why and when you can be clear about it and confident in, in the no I gotta tell you it's liberating uh, for people. And I think that's a, a big part of moving away from burnout and toward fulfillment. So, absolutely. I, and I love how you guys structured the book, kind of these three sections, a, you know, achieving success that we're focused on, but then doing it with balance that we've touched on. And also, you know, d- putting those two together. So you're just fulfilled with what you're doing, what God's called you to do. So, you know, just as we wrap up, uh, here, do you guys just have any final thoughts you'd like to just leave with everybody listening? I would say to remember who you are, figure out who you are and be you. I would say figure out your brand, which is the remembering who you are. And if you haven't ever identified it before, figure it out and then remember it. I would say take the time to make one or two truly meaningful connections and then seek to give back. That's why we ended on whom can I serve today, find someone that you can help. And your help might be in a different form at a different season. It might be as simple as being kind to the person at the grocery checkout line who's had a bad day. And you, you know, might have been in a hurry, but take the time to give a smile. It might be that you can volunteer for a charity. It might be you can mentor someone or just give someone an encouraging word. But Find somebody that you can um, give, pour into and give back to. Awesome. Thank you guys for sharing that. Now, how do people listen and connect with you guys? The book is Remember Who You Are. It's on Amazon. It's also on your your website, which is Haberzon, which is spelled. Yeah. Maybe you could spell that for everybody. Yeah, Haberzon. We're at www.haberzon.com. It's a boutique management consulting uh, company, so we'll come do keynote speaking and coaching and executive solutions, uh, and we hope that you'll uh, purchase the book. And it's also in your local Barnes and Noble and independent bookstores. Yeah, forever, all around. (laughs) (laughs) Yay! Well, congratulations on the book. I'm, you know, you've put pen to what many people, men and women, have felt for centuries. And you did it in, a, in such a grace-filled way. Uh, it's just beautiful, and I love the stories. Thank you for doing that. It's just a, a real service to many, many people. And, um, you know, I think for all our listeners out there, you know, if you're juggling things and, you know, you're just – you're, you're at the end of the day, you're just wiped out and you feel like you just can't get it all done and you're letting somebody down, you know, grab this book and, and just take a breath. You know, um, what I use is John and I talk a lot about priorities. And so I use my strength finders, you know, I know exactly who I am and what my strengths are and, what my gifts are. And, you know, when things come along, I just run it up against my strength finders. And so then it allows me to say to someone, you know, this just really isn't a great fit for me. But then I always follow that up with, but I know three people that you should talk to. 
And that gives me the opportunity to bring other people along and give other people opportunities. And so, um, you know, you, you, that's exactly the theme of your book. Remember who you are, stay in your giftedness and, um, you know, take a breath. Thank you guys so much for being here. Thank you. Well summarized. And we appreciate your time, Sandra and John. Yeah. Thanks so much for having us. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Keep up the good work. Keep knocking them alive out there. And I would just encourage anybody, uh, a woman out there building, you know, a uh, professional and also uh, men, anybody, you know, because we all work with women. Um, and we want to just have a great environment, encouraging, supporting each other, but also moving toward what's important to us. And man, you guys talk about exactly how to do that in this book. And I so appreciate that you took the time to do it. Uh, and thank you guys. So you're welcome back anytime you want to come on. Uh, it was just, I uh, loved the conversation. Well, thank you so much. We'd love to come back home. Absolutely. Thank you.